This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Reading from Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who led Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbours, our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. The second reading is from John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. We're now going to say the creed together. It's a statement of what we believe. Can you please stand as we say it together? We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and our salvation he came down from heaven. He was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and Virgin Mary and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Good morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we can come here together to hear you speak to us through your Son, Jesus, by a word, the Bible. And we pray that as we do so, that you would enable us not only to hear with our ears, but receive into our hearts and be transformed by your grace to become more like Jesus. Amen. Please take a seat. Well, every Christmas, our family on Naomi's side of the family have a tradition. We go to Naomi's grandma's place in Hunter's Hill and everyone gets in the pool. And then someone stands on on the cliff that's right next to the pool with a big tray of mangoes. And they throw the mangoes one by one into the pool. Why would you do that? Well, so everyone can grab a, man, uh, grab a mango, tear it, the skin off, and devour it right there in the pool. Now, I can see a mixture of uh, responses there. For some, the pool water and the mango juice is just too much. But for others, the idea of just devouring that mango, you know, it's a... It's a symbol of fruitfulness and joy that marks Sydney summer and Christmas, the way those mangoes are just being devoured. The desire for fruitfulness and life, I think, is one reason why fruit has an iconic place in Australian life. It's why we have the big banana, as well as the big mandarin and the big peach and the big avocado, the big bunch of cherries, two big pineapples, three big apples, and uh, three big oranges and the big fruit bowl. Did you know about the big fruit bowl in Bilpin? No, neither did I. But there you go. But fruit, it's not just a draw card for regional tourist traps. Fruit for us is a symbol of health. It's what we desire and long for. It's one reason why the first tray of mangoes for the season last season went for $25,000. 
It's one thing to eat bread and live. It's another to feast on fruit and experience real life. And when we think about the Australian dream, the Sydney dream, there's a desire to experience and emanate fruitfulness, to experience a real and fruitful life, to have a great family and a legacy, to have a career that really makes a difference, has an impact or to at least experience the fruit of the labours of our hands. As Christians, I think we share the desire for this kind of fruitfulness. But on top of these things, most of us also have a longing and a desire to be spiritually fruitful, to experience and emanate a vital, nourished inner spiritual life, and to experience a community that is like that as well. So when Jesus sits at the table, as we've been looking at over the last few weeks, sits at the table with his disciples and with us, and he talks about being being fruitful, he's speaking into a deep part of our psyche and our soul and our spiritual need. And he gives us rich promises of fruitfulness, but he also challenges us about what we think real fruitfulness is. So if we want real fruitfulness, where do we find it? Where do we find this real and fruitful life? Well, the first thing that Jesus says about real fruitfulness is that he is the true vine. He is the true vine. In in verse 1 of John 15, which we read earlier, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. And so if you want to find real fruitful life, this is where to start with Jesus and his father, because he's the true vine. His father is the vine grower. Back in Genesis chapter 2, God created the world. He placed humankind in Eden, a garden that was abundantly fruitful. And at the center of this garden was the tree of life, from which Adam and Eve could eat and so experience eternal life, but a life that is rich in fruitful relationship with God, in fruitful relationship with each other, and in a productive and good relationship with the creation and the work of their hands. God's intention for creation was that this peace and life and fruitfulness would pervade the whole earth. But as we know, they and we throw away that opportunity by turning their back on God and we're expelled away from the tree of life. But later, God began again with his people Israel. Israel was, in a way, a renewal of creation, another go, another chance. They were supposed to bring that life and peace and fruitfulness that God intended. And so the prophets, that's why the prophets pictured Israel as a sort of new creation and as a vine, a vine that God planted, a vine that draws its life from God and bears good fruit good fruit of justice and righteousness and honesty, humility and wisdom and love. But instead of drawing life from God, they sought life elsewhere and produced only sour grapes, a fruit of bloodshed, lies, pride and hatred. But before we feel superior about this, isn't these the kinds of things that we experience in our own lives and around us? 
the dry barrenness we experience when we seek life apart from God. Or the strange sour fruit that can just spring up in our lives that we don't expect. It seems to kind of come out of, come out, out of nowhere. When we find ourselves strangely bending the truth to protect ourselves. Or when envy kind of springs up and rears its ugly head and we hate and murder in our hearts. We find ourselves coveting in strange ways, strangely overpowering ways. Things like clothes and cars and gardens and bodies and views. This fruit that just pops out. This sour, strange fruit. And so it's into this fruitless world that Jesus comes in, breaks in and declares, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He's the new Israel, the new humanity who's truly fruitful, who draws life from God and lives a truly fruitful life. He brings and embodies that new creation full of abundant life and goodness and love. So I want to ask you today, is this how you think about Jesus? Is this one of the ways that you think about him? You know, it's easy to th- and experience him. It's easy to think about Jesus as, um, as an impressive person. It's easy to think about him as a wise teacher. It's another step to think about him as your saviour and Lord. But even that saviour and Lord, is, he's not just kind of dispensing words from above, but he is the very centre of life, the one who gives life to all creation and the one who can, the only one who can give real life and fruitfulness to you and to me. That's why, you know, every, once a month we say this, the creed from Colossians chapter 1. And in that chapter, it says that Jesus, it, that all things were created through him and for him. By him, all things were created. And in him, all things hold together. It's because he is the, the center, the life force of creation. The only hope for fruitfulness, for abundant eternal life in you and in me. He is the true vine. But Jesus doesn't just stop with saying that he's the true vine. He actually says, and this is a bit wild, he says that you are part of that vine if you trust him. And he says that if you're in him, then you will be fruitful too. And that's the second thing he tells us about fruitfulness, that Jesus promises to make us fruitful. Look at verse 5. Look at how he puts it. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. When you trust in Jesus, you're connected with him, spiritually united with him. Just think about that for a minute. You're attached to him as organically and as intimately as a branch is connected to its vine. And that means that that connection will make you truly fruitful. And so the promise here is that if you remain connected to Jesus, you will be fruitful. But pay attention, because when Jesus talks about fruitfulness, he doesn't mean the kinds of things that make up that Australian dream of legacy or impact or satisfaction or comfort. 
In verse 8, he says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear fruit and become my disciples. In verses 9 and 10, he then goes on to talk about love and obeying God's commands. And so this fruit isn't the things that the world loves. This fruit is loving God and others. It's growing as a disciple, obeying his words. The fruit that expresses that life in God. The fruit that he loves. Not the fruit that our hearts are inclined to love. And he promises you that he does and he will bring that fruit out in you when you're connected with him. He won't necessarily give you the best comforts in the world, the mango juice running down your chin. It's experiencing the deep joys of being vitally connected to the Lord of life, whether you are materially comfortable or not. You might not end up with a large family and a legacy. Now, a transformed life of love and obedience can result in grace-filled and happy family life. But it can also look like the faithfulness of a single person serving the Lord with their life or the steadfast love of a husband or wife who loses their children and nurses their dying spouse. You might never achieve much or have an impactful career. A loving and obeying God can result in significant a positive influence. But it can also mean losing your job because of your faith or sticking it out in a tough role because you're giving yourself for the good of others. Wherever you find yourself, if you're connected to this branch, Jesus promises that he will make you fruitful with the fruit that he desires. But the promise goes even deeper than that. The promise is that you will not only bear fruit, but that the Father will prune you so that you bear even more fruit. That's what Jesus means when he says in verse 2 that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. this, This is a really hard word. God our Father is our skilled caring vine grower who loves us and wants us to be as spiritually beautiful as possible. And so he uses even the awful hardships that we can go through to shape us and mould us, to prune us, to make us more fruit, even more fruitful. Now my late grandfather, Harry Tracy, he was a keen gardener and he knew he had to prune his plants and uh, I remember as a kid just having no, no idea. It's like, what are you doing? You're killing it. And uh, I'd be shocked. How could he cut it back so severely? But he was a skilled, caring gardener who loved his plants and wanted them to look as good and as beautiful as possible. The times when I've grown most in my faith and character have been some of the most difficult times. And knowing that, for, for many of us, for all of us, knowing that doesn't necessarily make them less painful. But we can know that through them, God can make us yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness that he loves and desires for us.
if we bear up under it. The fruit of a heart that's transformed to love and not hate. The fruit of, a re, of reshaped desires. So that we're coveting not shiny new things, but coveting the good of others. The fruit of a renovated mind and will. So that we want to obey God. So that we want to follow our Lord Jesus with patience and gentleness. All of this is Jesus' promise to you that he is the true vine and that he will make you fruitful if you trust in him even when it's hard. But Jesus' words aren't only a promise. The third thing that Jesus teaches us about fruitfulness is a challenge. And it's that if you or I want to be fruitful, we need to abide in him. We need to remain in him, stay connected with him. And that's what Jesus says in verse 4 when he says, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say, if you want to bear fruit, then just bear fruit. Come on, do a better job of it. Stop that and do that. No, he says, if you want to bear fruit, abide in me. Come to me, rely on me, by nourish, be nourished by me. So what does he mean by that? A combination of things. Verse 7, abiding in Jesus is allowing Jesus' words, his teaching and his promises to remain in us. Abiding in Jesus is listening to his words, reading them, soaking in them, his promises, his teachings. Verse 10, abiding is keeping his commandments, seeking to be not only listeners but doers. And abiding is also staying steadfast and faithful and persevering as disciples, just just holding on. The disciples remember, if we kind of zoom about it out a bit and remember how this fits into the, gospel, into the Gospel of John, the disciples are sitting there with Jesus. This is the night before he dies. He's about to be taken away to crucif- be crucified. He's just told them that this is what it's going to involve. And so their temptation is to abandon Jesus, to let that happen. Gosh, I don't want that happen, to happen to me. But Jesus says to them, if you want to have real fruitful life, remain in me, even when it gets really hard, even when the pruning is painful. So easy to look for nourishment and fruitfulness in the other places that I've mentioned before, I've been picking on before. To cultivate an impactful career, to really put your energy into that, or energy into cultivating the, those loving friendships and family, and even to cultivate our own spiritual lives in a way that's about us and our self-realization. Now, all those things are fine things to cultivate, but the first place to go is to this vine, to cultivate this connection, because without him, without that one, we can do nothing. Because the alternative is awful. And Jesus mentions it briefly. The fire of judgment. 
Verse 6, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you're not sure about Jesus, about whether you will, you will trust in him or whether you're going to stick it out, I implore you, remain in him. Don't be thrown away from the life and light of God like this. Be engrafted to Jesus and remain in him. But the main part of Jesus' message today is this promise, this promise that he is the true vine and that his father is the vine grower, that he and the father are the place where we find real fruitfulness, where we tap into that new creation, where we receive the life-giving spirit, where when we want to be fruitful, that's where we go. We're engrafted to Jesus and the Father and transformed to be more like him every day, where we experience real fulfilment and love and joy of being fruitful with the kind of fruit of righteousness that he desires and wants for us. So do you want to be fruitful? Remain in Jesus because without him, we can do nothing. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.